Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for a lifeline as Jehoshaphat asked you and inquired of you and sent for the messenger of God to hear from you tonight. We also stand in a place where we have not come out here to play church, but we've come out here to seek the authenticity and the legitimacy, the reality of our walk with you. And you're faithful to speak to us, Lord. I pray that you would bless your word and prosper it in our hearts and open our ears that we might understand in our spirits that we receive more than knowledge but the impartation of truth into our lives that is able to bring us to a place of salvation and rescue and deliverance. Let us cherish your word and look into these matters as you would have us, Lord, to be challenged confronted with our spiritual devotion. And we pray that you have mercy on us, Lord, especially those of us that are parents and that lead families and how we're dropping the ball so crazily. We pray, O oh God, that you would bless your word and prosper it in our hearts as we go through it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the previous instruction is, is I don't know if you do this, I do this a lot, um, I always place myself in a historical context of who I am, and I'm saying, I wonder if I would have been back in the days of Israel, seeing God open the Red Sea, seeing him call me out of Egypt, seeing him promise me the promised land, what part of the people would I be? Would I be the rebellious bunch who says, forget Moses, we should have stayed in Egypt, he's just making trouble for us, and so being placed in that context, let's go to what God would have spoken to these people in Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. They had just left Egypt. So God is trying to align them up with his purpose. And he says, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? What is he asking? Um, it becomes a very miserable existence to think the pastor is asking you for something. Or the church is imposing upon you and your family. Uh, people that are rebellious, usually, since they can't point at God, they point at others. They, they, they're, uh, uh, this, what's, uh, and they're, 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 they're fighting in an earthly existence. But what does God require truly? And he breaks it down like this. He wants you to fear the Lord. Um, I don't know if, if you can... You can appreciate fear of the Lord. The people that are so overwhelmed with fear, when they first get saved and they hear the word fear the Lord, um, we relate it to um, Friday the 13th or Halloween or Freddy. I mean, what is he? Is, is he a spook? Is he, why should I be scared of God? Uh, we come with pagan ideas, so we read the Bible and we say, God wants you to fear him. Listen. In the Hebrew context of fear the Lord, it's take him serious. Be, be serious. My kids used to play with everything. They used to play uh, basketball, baseball, uh, soccer. And I said, listen, you could play with everything. Don't play with the Lord. 
Don't play with God. Because one day you're going to need God and you're not going to want to fool around with him. You're going to want him to show up. So what he was telling, uh, what the message was to Israel was take God as serious as anything you take serious. Um, some of you have had cancer. And thank God the Lord healed you. Take your relationship with God with that seriousness. Don't play with the things of God. Don't, I mean, you, you get your checkups, you go, you go to the hospital, you get yourself a serious guy, not a clown, you, you check. And so with the Lord, the same thing. You'll notice that pastor does not have tolerance to be around anyone who is foolish. You will know that. Wherever, if we go to a big conference, uh, there'll be some people playing around, there'll be some people, you know, and, and I won't. Um, uh, Leonard Ravenhill said like this, he said, um, I won't even go to lunch after church on Sunday with people that will be joking around about the sermon. He says he wouldn't play. So he's the type of guy that if he goes to lunch with somebody after church on Sunday, he's still talking about how serious God spoke to his people. So he doesn't, he's not distant. So in that regards, the first thing that God wants you to do, and actually the Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. That's the beginning of, of knowing how to live as a Christian. And it comes way before you'll notice people that says, well, I believe that God loves people so much he wouldn't send anybody to hell. That's somebody that has never been as serious as going before a judge. I don't know. Have you ever been before a judge? Do, do you crack jokes when you're in front of a judge? No way. One day as a lawyer, I forgot my tie. And, and so I went into court without a tie. And the judge says, are you on vacation? I said, no, but I'm here real quick. I'm going to do something fast. He goes, not in my court. You're not going to bring your comfort and convenience into my presence. This is a serious place where we do serious business. And you better go find a tie right now before I put you in jail for contempt of court. So like, where's the love on this guy? Why, why, is, he, why is he not friendly? Listen to me. Don't buddy up to God until you first are super serious about who he is. And, and we don't understand that concept. I'll just leave it there that, that God is more serious than anything that you contemplate to be serious in this world. Um, so that's what God is saying. Listen, we're going to conduct some serious business. Take me super serious. Uh, we have the tendency to come late to church. We have the tendency to not bring our Bibles. We have the tendency to not listen to the sermon. We're, we're, we're doing something off. And, and the Lord sees this stuff. He, he, he understands. Now, number two, uh, Deuteronomy 10, 12. And remember, this is not for our time. This is back in Israel's time. First thing you have to do that God will require of you is take God serious. Fear the Lord. Second thing, walk in his ways. We want God, follow me, the Lord. I want you to bless, and so we go, kill him, Lord, and let him live, and, and we want God to walk with us. This is not what you've come to. This is for you to walk with God. And his introduction, if you want to follow me, take up your cross, deny yourself, 
and let's go, my friend. If not, you're not fit for this life. So learning to walk in his ways is different than continuing to walk in your ways. And we come from that atmosphere out there where everybody is doing their own thing. They got their own schedules. They got their own priorities. They got their own plans. And he's saying, this is the word, ready? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That means turn and follow him. Now, if you don't have that concept, and this is why many did not want to follow Christ. Because he's not coming in here to be your butler or your buddy or your 911. Well, I just thought since I just, intru- you know, you're the healer, you're the miracle man, just heal me because I'm sick. And fix my marriage because it's about to get divorced. And, and, and so he comes and he'll do all those things so you can follow him and serve him and, and worship him. Not for him to follow you in the craziness where I've seen photos now that they put Jesus Christ on a Harley Davidson and they slap a tattoo on him and he says, he's my, he's my homeboy. Jesus is my homeboy. My friend, that is not the gospel. That is not the Bible message. And that is downright wicked and evil and, and disguised craziness. So uh, Paul says it right, you've been purchased by his blood. You belong to him now. You're not, this is not about your future, it's about his plan. So he's telling them there, remember that when, the reason why I say this is for Israel, because this is in the Old Testament and Jesus hadn't died yet. So they, they didn't have clarity of purpose and vision and excellence and gen- but listen, we see clearly now. Just reminded me of that song, right? I can see clearly now. Jesus has come. I can see him. I can see what he did. I see the love of God and what he did with his son. I see how his son lived. And he taught us to imitate and follow his example. So... Um, a great portion, I'm going to tell you, that there was a huge clash of cultures when I got saved. Because everything, the first thing I heard, I was a teenager, hormones are going crazy, no sex before marriage. I'm like, are you a Martian? Are you crazy? You want me to put on a spacesuit and live on the earth in a way that's super weird? That's not normal? How is this humanly possible? It's called sanctification. It's called the way of holiness. It's called purity. It's a spirit. It'll be all over you and you'll love it. It'll set you free. It'll set you free. And so he says, so those, those years that I first met the Lord and, and started taking him serious and walking in his ways. Now, third level. Fear him, learn his ways, and love him. Love, love the Lord. A lot of us think that we love the Lord until he starts putting that exam in front of you. And he starts saying, you know something? You love yourself. You, you don't love the, you say you love the Lord. I've talked to prostitutes in the street and they say, I love God. And he loves me. I feel him everywhere I go. 
I've, I've talked to homosexuals. They say the same thing. They say, you know something? I'm so close to God, and, and I know he loves me, and, and I love him. You go to a prison murderer, a pedophile. You go to a self-righteous businessman who never goes to church, who never worships the Lord, who never reads the Bible. He says, I love God. But the truth of the matter is that uh, we, we, should, we should find out what it is to love him. So fear the Lord, walk in his ways, love him. And we used to say, if you know God, you will love him. If you love God, you will serve him. That's the last thing it says there. Let's go back to that verse. We fear God. We're, we're brought near. We learn his ways. We love him. We serve him. We love him. We serve him. Are you serving God? Are you serving God consistently and faithfully? Are you known in your community of worship as a servant? As one who's not looking for his own. One who's laid down his life. To serve the Lord. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Then take care of my people. Let that be your first priority. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. I'll give my life for you. Well, then take care of my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Shepherd, be interested in the fold. Uh, this thing about loving God is loving what he loves. That, that's, a good, that's a good way. And people are impossible, but God loves them. And so loving him means serving people. To serve the Lord your God with, ready, here goes, here goes, here's the challenge. Sold out heart and sold out soul. The depth of your affections and the depth of your will. Where you are able to say, Lord, not what I will, but thine will be done. That, that's, that is with all your heart, with all your soul. Now, you'd be surprised there that as we read these things, and we, listen to me, and this is, I was terrified when I came to the house of God and I learned, okay, here it is. I, I understand it clearly. These are all the things that, that qualify my faith and make me legitimate and genuine. Now I'm hearing from God and I, I, I'm thinking that all these things are for God's benefit. But verse 13 says, the reason why you're to keep the commandments and his statutes, which he commands you today, is for your own good. Amen. You're good. Listen, you imagine what my life would look like if I did what I want? None of you would be sitting here. None of you. But everything that is manifested in my life is good, is peaceful, is fruitful, is awesome. As I walked in the ways of the Lord, as I revered him, as I took him serious, it's more serious than anything. When your heart is tied to money, you will not put things to challenge money, but the, now you transfer over. And the Lord says, listen, when you seek for gold and silver, you wake up super early, my friend. You stay super late. You dig holes where nobody digs holes. You go into rivers. Nobody would look into rivers. You, we got to read this, Job 29. Listen what God says. He says, I know your affection. I know your energy. I know your schedule. Don't try and sell me on something. He says there, 
in Job 28. He says, surely there's a place, verse 1, Job 28.1, surely there's a place for silver. Surely there's a place where you find gold. How many have ever done that? How many have ever traded gold? Come on, be honest. You gold traders? Absolutely. Absolutely, you're investing in gold because the currency is going to run out. And you've already figured out how you have gold. And God says, I know you did your homework to get gold. And I know you know the place where there's silver. Verse 2. Even iron is taken from the earth. And copper, you find those valuable metals. Verse 3, he says, man is willing to put an end to where he cannot see to search every crevice in darkness, in the shadow of death where nobody goes. Verse 4, he breaks open shafts. Humans don't even hang out there. Away from people. In places forgotten by feet. They hang far away from men and they swing to and fro. Indiana Jones, right? You're all caught up into everything you're doing to seek out the advantage of provisions. They hang far from man. They swing as for the earth. From it comes bread. Underneath it, there's fire, volcanic pressure, stones, sources where you find. Verse 5, there's fire and the fire on coal produces diamonds. Verse 6, sapphires and it contains gold dust there's people that own gold mines verse 7 the path where not even birds know and birds get everywhere and the falcon's eye has not seen it these guys are like telescope proud lions the most courageous of beasts have never even trodden where some of you guys have gone to find prosperity and find your ways in this world nor has it ever let's read that verse again where lions don't even go. Where fierce lions have not passed over it. The, the toughest of men have not gone there. And so he says these things. He says, you even pull up dams and channels. And you bring down mountains. The highest places. Verse 12. But where can you find wisdom? Where are you going to go to find a place to live in such a way that there's true prosperity, true blessing, true peace, true fruitfulness? Why, why don't we pay a price there? And that's why we Christians are super. People look at us and they feel sorry. Porecito, they're retarded. They, they don't use efforts like the people that don't look for God in the world. This is one woman started i think it was you remind me yvette uh, Amer lady of america how many gyms one woman started 22 women's gym she told her husband hey buddy you can't find a job sit down i'm gonna go out and she started 22 women's gyms fitness gyms it led to her destruction and divorce yeah but she was making $100,000 a month. And she makes us Christians look like wimps in our devotion to the most incredible God of the universe. 
So that's why we're, we're challenging you tonight. And I, I want to add to this. You guys got Job 28, right? God is, he's up there looking down. Oh, you can't go to church, right? You're too busy, right? Your schedule doesn't allow it. No, that's all right. how, how come you work 52 hours? How come you do overtime, extra time, anytime, whenever time, as many times? And you have not bowed down to worship me. You are not serving me. God, that whole chapter of Job, he's confronting man. And he's saying, and you guys read it when you have time. Verse 13, he says, man does not, Job 28, 13 says, man does not know the value of wisdom and understanding. Man does not know the value of having a relationship with God. Let me tell you something, it far surpasses all the money that you can hoard. It far surpasses anything you could do that's offered to you in this world. The glory of this world passes quickly. Those who seek the glory of God, it will never fade. You could pass that to your children, to your children's children for a thousand generations. My kids will be blessed for a thousand generations because I chose when the devil was offering the goods. Devil, I don't want what you have. I'll be the first generation of our family that seeks God with an entire heart. An entire heart surrendered to Jesus Christ. Not because of my effort, because of his grace. He, he led the way. He, he signaled the way. He was faithful. This value is not found in the land of the living. You're not going to find it outside. The deep, verse 14, says it's not here either. The sea says it's not with me. It cannot be, verse, verse 15, it cannot be purchased for gold, nor can silver be weighed for its price. I've seen men, I've seen men try to say, listen, I want to cash out now. Give me my wife back. Give me my family back. Give me my marriage back. I want to cash out. The value of blessing far outweighs what this world has to offer. The blessing of the Lord makes you wealthy and blessed, prosperous. And so that, that goes on there. Um, he continues on to say that not even diamonds. Verse 17. Neither gold nor diamonds, crystals can equal it, nor can it be exchanged for the, your finest of jewelries. Verse 18, no mention shall be made for coral and quartz. The price of wisdom is above rubies. Topaz cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. I love it, man. I love it. Verse 23, he says, God understands its ways, and he knows where it's found. He knows where it is. Verse 27, he saw wisdom and declared it. He prepared it. Indeed, he searched it out. God serves it tonight. Verse 28, he says, and he says to man, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is the beginning of wisdom. And to depart from understanding, I mean from evil, that's understanding. The beginning of this life is take God serious. The beginning of blessing is to start departing from things that are twisted. Now, um, as we say these things, Deuteronomy Chapter 10, verse 13 says, to keep these commandments and his statutes, these are for thy own good. Hey, understand this. All this stuff is not about God needing. You need God. Amen. You need God. He's not, he's not into this wanting you to serve him for his needs. He's given all he has and more and some. So... 
Verse 14, he says, behold the heavens and the heavens, we're Deuteronomy 10, 14. He says, behold the heavens and the heavens, heaven is the Lord's, thy gods, the earth also, all that's in it. Only the Lord, verse 15, had a delight in thy fathers to love them. And he chose their seed, their children, even you above all the people as this day. Let me ask you a question. Do you freak out that the Lord is talking to us like he's talking to us tonight? Listen, this blows me away. Why is he so personal? Why does he care? Why is he constantly throwing a lifeline to our families and to our children? He doesn't want them to be paupers. He doesn't want them to be orphans. He doesn't want them to chase. I, I talked to this guy, Alfredo Freles. And he's Julio Iglesias' personal manager for 35 years. And I asked him, let me ask you, sir. After you've gone through hell and back all those 35 years finding and looking for the glory of this world and thinking you're the high and sublime and limelight, are you going to turn around and tell your six children not to follow your footsteps? Or are you going to let them go over the cliff just like you? Are you going to follow? Are you going to allow them to say dad was and ah? Or are you going to stand up and tell your children, listen, happiness, prosperity, and blessing is not found in celebrity in the world, in the culture of this world? Or are you going to just let them trash? Now, previous generations for us didn't give us anything, but we know they went over the cliff. We have no doubt that their lives were horrific. They were bound by their lust. They were, they were twisted in their heart. They were far from God. They didn't regard him. And so, verse 16, he says, Circumcise, therefore, your foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. This is the best advice I could give you tonight. The challenge here is quit challenging the direction of God for your life. Quit dragging your heels. Quit fighting God. Quit being proud. Stiff-necked means you're like, I'm not going to humble myself. I'm going to... For the Lord your God, verse 17, is the God of all gods. He has the final say. He's the God of all gods and the Lord of all lords. He's great, mighty, awesome. And he's not picking one man over another. This is broad spectrum. Let me ask you a question. If God is faithful to launch what he's talked to us tonight, why will we not all be blessed and prospered? Does anybody have a clue? Because some of us will say amen, and some of, them will, some of us will say, catch me if you can. I'm not surrendering. I'm still, I'm still going to toe the line. I'm not going to ask God. I don't want to know his ways. I don't want to get serious with God. I have a devotion in another direction with no promise, but a devotion nonetheless. He doesn't show partiality. This is what he's into, verse 18. He brings judgment to those that are orphans and to the widows. He loves the stranger, and he's into giving him good food and remnant. Who, does anybody want to tell me who this fatherless widow that is a stranger who needs fo food and clothing, does anybody know who that is? Please do me a favor, just, just, just for the benefit of being here tonight, and say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. I, I could go and feed the hungry. I'm starving. Not physical food, spiritual food. Malnourished. 
Oh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk in this direction. I'm going to love strangers. I'm going to hang out with the orphans and the widows. And say, say, the fatherless, the widow, the stranger, the hungry is me. And I cannot help anybody if I'm not helping this starving soul. I was talking to a man in my neighborhood yesterday across the lake. I made my little way over there on a boat. And I sat down with him. And for the first time, we've been talking for two years. He says, you know something? I'm one of those men. I have a 24-year-old son. I don't know how to teach him how to be a man, a husband, or a father. He just left his wife and his little girl. He's being selfish all out. And this is what God is saying in this passage before we get lost in religiosity. God is saying that there are people that are so selfish, they're not bringing the home's good. They're not bringing the goods home. He says, do you remember... That you were, verse 19, there are people in need just like you were in need. There are people out there thinking worldly thoughts just like you were. So verse 20, he revisits, you shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and you shall hold fast and take his name serious. He should be, verse 21, your praise. He is your God. He has done these things great and awesome before your eyes and then he goes to this part right here and this is where I want to go all this to say your fathers were the ones that took you to Egypt and now the Lord God has made you as the stars of the heavens you know Jeremiah 16 19 says why a lot of us are in this predicament I was telling the guys today that I started taking God serious at the age of 21 years old because even though I had gotten to church at 16 I was kicking and checking it out because I didn't want to spend another 16 years of my life in a religion. Spent the first 16 practicing religion. So when they came and talked to me about Jesus, I said, I'm not fast to start another religion just to find out 16 years later that it's a religion. I want this to be real. So it took me five years, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. At 21, I started taking God dead serious. Dead serious. It took a transition. And he says it there. He says, he says, your fathers are the ones that took you to Egypt. But look what it says here in Jeremiah 16. Why do I bring up this verse? Because it would be horrendous for our fathers to have never given us the Lord. We come to Jesus, and now our fathers are again not going to bring us to the Lord. And he says this, Lord, you're my strength. You're a strong fortress. You're my refuge for the day of trouble. The Gentiles that don't know God come to you from the ends of the earth and say, surely, this is what they say. Everybody that's coming from the ends of the earth. Our fathers have inherited us lies, worthless, unprofitable things. This is those three things I want you to circle and I want you to meditate. What are you passing down to your children? What, what, where is their confidence going to lie? Is it the word of God? It's a, is it a relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it at the church? that is legitimately following God. Uh, my zeal in this place is that there be no person. Um, several years ago, a man wanted to come to church. I said, listen, the first of your acting up in a way that is inappropriate to the house of God, and trust me, we're going to remove you physically from the premises. Why? Because I'm not going to allow anybody to mess with my son's faith. 
I'm not going to allow anybody to, to have my children grow up and say, oh, I grew up in church all the time, but it was a joke, man. It was, it was a total jerk, joke. There, there was nobody serious. So that was, that was, and this is it right here. Your fathers, what, I, I want to challenge you tonight. If God is throwing you a lifeline and he's saying, come after it, and you, I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to pass down something short of what God wants. And so I, I want to go there because Luke chapter 8, verse 11 God is faithful to give us his word tonight. Now, there's, there's every single one of us and the people that are looking on live stream and the people that will hear this message, every single one gets the same word. Now, for some, they'll flush it down the toilet. They'll say, you know something? Doesn't apply to me. So he says, this is the power, parable. The seed is the word of God. Verse 12. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. So they will not believe and they will not be saved. They'll never see the realities of what we spoke tonight. Because as soon as the seed went out, the good seed, but the bad heart said, let me get, let me, let me get this from you. Let me remove this from where it's been sown. Verse 13, that's one group of people. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy. Amen! But because they don't let it take root, when they have, uh, they believe for a little while, temporarily, when the time comes, temptation, when they're given another option, they fall away. They fall after another priority, another interest, another affection. Verse 14. The ones the devil takes away, the ones that fall in temptation. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those when they have heard it, they go out and the cares of this life, their, their transitory earthly concerns, their riches, the pleasures of this life, they bring this to no fruit. It doesn't come to a place where they'll ever see the promise of God revealed. But... I thank God for the, the final group, verse 15. Those that with patience, the ones that fell on good ground are those having heard what the Lord delivered and they have, they have a real, um, the heart is a, a, a simple heart. They're not complex. They're not challenging God. They're not fighting with God. They're like, you know something? I want what God has for me. They have a heart which is healthy. They keep the word and here comes the fruit because they waited it out. They, they walked the process. A lot of the stuff that you guys see in my life, they're, they're, not, they're not fruit that came in the last two weeks. Years. Years, 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 years. You can go back to years to years when I was, I was going to get an exam to become a, a law enforcement officer. I was 20 years old. I was Nick's age. My oldest son. And, and my parents says, come here. We don't think the Lord wants you to go to be a cop. And I was angry. I was like, I'll never be anything else. Because I, I don't like to study. I don't like books. I don't like to read. And they said, we don't think this is God's plan for your life. And so I left their room. I said, thank you for speaking in my life. I went into my room. I looked out the window. I said, Lord, they're saying no. I feel it's yes, but I'm going to listen to them so that I could prove them wrong. So then I could never listen to them again. And I'm going to do. And I went the next morning to the police academy and I told the lieutenant, I said, listen, I'm not, I had finished 10 months of, 
of preparations and applications and psychological exams and all sorts of stuff. And they, I was going into the next academy, the next class. I was finishing my criminology at FIU. And I told the guy, listen, my parents said no. And the Bible says if I honor my mom and dad, everything will go well with me and I'll live a long life on the earth. And I think they're crazy, but I'm going to trust God on this one. And I'm going to follow him and I'm going to do what God says in his word. So that when it doesn't happen, then I'll never listen to my parents again. But guess what? Those that wait upon the Lord and listen and bow and endure will bear the fruit if they wait. So years later, I was graduating from law school, and, and I was making five times what a police officer makes, and not working at night, and not getting bullets through my direction, and having peace in my home. So the fruit of those that are, are, are welcoming the, the Spirit of the Lord. You know, some of you don't understand that, that, that the intensity of this. 1 Corinthians 1.14, a guy like Paul stands in front of people and says, I'm glad I have nothing to do with your spiritual walk. I'm glad I have nothing to do with the way you are walking this Christian life out. Listen to it. Imagine me saying this to you. I thank God I had nothing to do with your baptism. Could you believe, could Paul talk like that? He's like, your building is so chuckle. Your foundation is so rotten that anything you build on is going to fall because you're a clown. You're not taking God serious. So I thank God I'm not part of what you're building in your faith. Because you don't fear God. You don't love God. You don't learn his ways. You don't serve him. You don't obey him. You're, you're not seeking the counsel of God. And, and this, this word is pretty strong. Now why would he say this? I'm going to put it in context so you can appreciate it. And I think Manny is going to appreciate it more than anybody. And Louis Rodriguez, the engineer. When he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, this is some chapters later. He's going to put it in context. Why is he glad he didn't baptize these fellows? Go back to that verse again. I think he says, but two of the guys I did. Go back to 114, chapter 114. None of you, I thank God I, didn't, I, I wasn't part of building any of your spiritual lives except these two guys, Crispus and Gaius. These guys want it. These guys are hitting the bullseye. These guys don't miss an opportunity to live for God like God wants them to live. So now let's go to chapter 3, verse 10, where he says the reason why he had this attitude is because he was taking serious, according to the grace of God, which was endowed upon him, given to me, as a wise master builder. I'm laying foundations let each one be careful how he's building his Christian walk. I'm a wise master builder. I thank God that there's people with integrity. There's people that are honest. There's people that, that don't cut corners. There's people that don't cheat. And they built my house. And we sleep good at night. But what's up with your spiritual walk? Cutting corners, cheating, using Chinese drywall in your spiritual walk. You could go use the good walls that keep up. No, you want the ones that, that, that grow mold and kill your family spiritually. And so Paul is saying, I'm a master builder. And, and, you know, just like that first guy we heard tonight that people hated him. 
You know, I was at the gun range about three years ago. I don't like to go there, but every once in a while, some people go, and I'll go, and I'll sit there, and they'll be shooting. And everybody, like, pow, pow, pow. Um, it's, the lanes are open, and everybody, pow, pow, pow. There is only, I mean, there, there's, there's rows of people, like 25 rows, and everybody has a little cubby hole, and they're shooting down the, there's only one person, only one person that everybody hates. Who do you think it is? The range master. The guy who's keeping everybody safe. Hey! You're not supposed to cross the line. Everybody's shooting and you're going out to see your target. Are you crazy? He knows the intensity of... And you're like, why is he so mean? Because something really bad is about to happen and you can't appreciate it. So everybody can't stand that guy. Poor guy. Pray for the range masters here in Miami. Take heed how you build. Verse 11. For no man can put any other foundation that is not Jesus. Listen, whatever you think you're building on, if it's not Jesus, you're a faulty ground. I'll tell you that right now. Appreciate it. He says in verse 12. If a man builds with gold, silver, and precious stones, the fire refines and makes these things more excellent. But if he wants to build with stones, wood, hay, I mean wood, hay, and straw, the last three, as soon as, verse 13, the fire hits, each one's work will become clear the day it will be declared, revealed by fire. The fire will test each one's work, what he built from. This is not going to happen now. You could build a nice sandcastle. You could build however you want, like the three little pigs, real quick with straw, things that are easier, things that don't challenge you culturally, socially, things that are, 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 are refined, accepted by the, the, the feces of the Miami culture. You could sit there and have all these thumbs up. But the day will come where you had an opportunity to build solid, and that's the day the fruit will reveal. What sort is it? What sort? What kind? How did you build? With excellence or no? 2 Samuel 4.4 says that when Jonathan was a small kid, the person that was entrusted to his care dropped him. Now listen to me. If you have a small child and he's two years old and still clinging to your shoulder and you're carrying him stuff like that and you might not drop him physically but if you drop him spiritually what happened to jonathan was that jonathan's son as it says jonathan saul's son had a son who was lame in his feet because when he was five years old there was a run around about the news of saul and jonathan they came to Jezreel, and the nurse took him and started running in fear. And it happened as she made haste to run away that he fell. And from that day on, his feet were lame. He was disabled. Uh, you want to make sure that your children are champions. And you make them champions by surrounding them with people who fear God, who love God, who obey his commandments, who serve the Lord, and they grow up to be wise. But if you put them in, and I did that in, in kindergarten, I said, I'll put them in public school, 
and, and since we're real Christians at home, and I'm, I'm a pastor, and I'm serious, Nick will do well. Listen to me. You put the most precious of your souls in the midst of 40 imbeciles that are talking about Harry Potter and about Pokemon and about all the twisted stuff. Now, when they grow up and they're 14, 15, they talk about other things. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? They're not talking about Pokemon and Harry Potter. They're talking about excrement. They're, 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 they're dishing stuff out that... I pray that you would never sit in that conversation, but you're putting your child there. And so when he's disabled and, and not able to prosper and, and, and the future looks dim, this man was disabled the rest of his life because somebody had put him in the care of a nurse. Now, as these things are being built, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 3, the Bible says that his spiritual lives are being built, the enemy is looking far. I mean, the devil's off over to an edge, and, and he's, looking, he's looking at us. And this is the comment he makes. They're building so shabby that the day that a squirrel jumps on that wall, it's coming down. Tobiah the Abnite was beside him, and he said, whatever they built, if a fox goes up on that wall, it will break down and fall. It was built so shabby. I was part of the lawsuits of Country Walk during Hurricane Andrew, and I saw all the pictures of how they built their homes, and the nails that were supposed to be hitting the roof into the trusses missed every single one of them. So when a little wind went by, all the roof fell off. It was called, um, it has a name. It was, it was like inappropriate construction. It was wrongful construction. So I, I, tonight, I'm telling you, we don't play. I, I, I want to see champions. I, would, I don't want uh, to, to continue to inherit to our children lies, vanity, and deceit. A lot of fluff, a lot of uh, appearance. The real thing will deliver. And so if we go to um, Songs of Solomon 2.15, one of the warnings that was given to the people of Israel, he says, do me a favor, let's catch all the little foxes that spoil the vine. Let's not leave things up to chance. Let's not, let's not play with our Navy SEALs and take them to a Coast Guard training and then throw them in life where they're going to have to know how to battle, how to master their lives. Um, let's stand tonight. I, I just pray that you have been challenged. I pray that, that you, listen to me, that a lot of us don't even know how to open up to wisdom. We, we don't know how to be radical, how to be intense. If there's anything, if there's anything, I, you know, some people, they, they have different... Uh, different hobbies, they have different passions, they have different interests. Um, they wouldn't for the life of them. Uh, I had uh, Jurgen's father some years ago, he says, listen to me, um, I just consider all faiths the same. I said, sir, um, you don't understand the concept of what faith is, but let me ask you something. If I were to sell you a fake diamond, how would it go with you? And he's a diamond broker, his expertise, he, your dad could call a diamond out in a second, right? Absolutely. And I said, all diamonds are the same. And he goes, no. I go, in fact, listen, we're having dinner there. 
and you just ordered soup, so since all soups are the same, you drink the water in the flower pot and let me have your soup. Because you, you're the type of guy that everything's the same for you. And he was like, I wasn't even going to talk to him that night. I was going to let him have peace, a peaceful night. <laughs> but I couldn't. I have one opportunity, and he's telling me all faiths are the same. And I'm saying, listen to me. If you don't have expertise, discretion in what is God's best, and you decide, listen to me. I will be crying water. You'll be crying blood drops. And you would have wished to do it all over again. And you might not have the opportunity. We, we have a lot of regret to what our parents did to us. But God, deliver us from throwing stink on our children. And giving them a watered down. A watered down Christianity that everybody, every, listen to me. If you have an opportunity to build with gold and diamonds and silver, don't use straw, hay, and, and stubble. Because when the fire comes, that's when you're going to find out a lot of stuff you should have asked. Father, thank you tonight for your mercy and grace. And everybody here tonight, Lord, desires your best and desires wisdom and desires to distinguish and have discretion in these matters. And that is the challenge. While other people don't care and other people are just building however and just finding out later, you have given us wisdom to choose excellence. And you've challenged us tonight to not let any small foxes on our vineyard. To not let us, Lord, put priority and value on things of this world while we are putting no value on the excellence of knowing you, serving you, listening to you, devoting ourselves to you. And this is the work of your spirit, Lord. We pray tonight that your spirit would transform us, that your spirit might fill us with wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, And if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives freely to all, Lord. We need more wisdom, Lord. Teach us to choose excellence, to not compromise with that which our children are around. Because a seed today becomes a tree tomorrow becomes a huge obstacle that doesn't allow us to inherit peace joy righteousness this is all for our own good and while our parents might not have chosen that lord give us the opportunity to choose for the next generation so that they might benefit oh god see your glory in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. The house of God says amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.